Hello, friends and fellow moms, and welcome back to the Moms on the Air podcast. After a brief hiatus that ended up being longer than expected due to life, due to, you know, air conditioning units that break, due to, I'll just say it, life and managing a household, moms, you know what that's like, um, you know. The hiatus ended up being a little longer than expected, but I'm so happy to be back. And in case you forgot, I'm your host, Katie Mann, and I'm joined by my daughter and co-host, Maddie Mann, who's teething. So hopefully curios will distract her for anybody who's watching on YouTube. And to, for today's episode, I'm so excited that we'll be joined by Gabriella Gizzo, a speech therapist and the author of the book, Sophie's Special Stories. So Gabriella, thanks for joining us and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So tell us about your book, Sophie, Sophie's Story. So I actually got the idea when I was in graduate school. I knew that I always wanted to work with children. And when you're in graduate school, you have to do a lot of different clinical rotations. One of my rotations was in an elementary school. And what I noticed was that elementary schools, there's a lot of students that we service. And a lot of times the students get grouped. So you could, have a, you could have a group of four or five students, but they all could have different goals, meaning you need to use different materials to target all those different goals. Mm -hmm. So I started to get the idea of creating a resource that would be beneficial to other speech therapists, teachers, and parents that you could use with a multitude of different students. And it was around the same time that I got my dog, Sophie. And the book is about my relationship, my journey with Sophie, but I wrote it in a way that it can target different speech therapy goals, such as answering WH questions, labeling common objects, describing different objects. And then, of course, I have built in there S adjectives, so children can practice different S sounds because a lot of students that I work with, they struggle with that S. So that, and that's kind of the background and the nature of the book. Yeah, that's great. And you kind of mentioned this before, um, besides, you know, wanting to work with kids, was there anything else that inspired you to write this book? Um, really just, again, to kind of support parents out there, because a lot of times, you know, in meetings with parents, they're always asking, what can we do at home? How can we facilitate communication at home? Or if a child is working on a certain goal, like producing the S sound in speech therapy, how can I, you know, work on that at home? So that was kind of just, yeah, the nature and the reasoning behind why I created the book. No, that's great. And and in your opinion, how besides kind of getting tips about what they can do at home, how will children and benefit parents benefit from this book? I think books in general, I always tell parents are great for kids, whether you want to target, you know, speech therapy goals, whether you want to work on literacy skills, I think, especially in today's time where we are, you know, constantly surrounded by technology, children need good old fashioned books, and of course, also good old fashioned toys. But children, they learn so many things from books, they learn how to sustain attention. They learn how to answer different questions. They learn how to, you know, label objects. And then all of those skills translate as well into the classroom. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and do you have any plans to write future books? I do. I want to write at least, I think, two or three more for the Sophie series and then maybe branch off and do, you know, a whole complete other series. But yeah, and I want to write more that target different speech goals as well. In your opinion, this is kind of going off topic a little bit. You kind of touched on this, but but with, you know, with kids being surrounded by Mm -hmm. technology, do you think kids are able to kind of, you know, pick up, you know, speech therapy, uh, speech from stuff they watch on TV? Because, you know, something I I hear a lot about is, you know, Miss Rachel being a good, you know, no, it's not, I'm I'm just curious. No, it's, it's a good question. And I, um, I, I'm sure other SLPs, we, we've all heard about Miss Rachel. That's what, that's why I'm laughing. She's very popular. Um, so I always tell parents and teachers that children's brains are like sponges and Mm -hmm. the younger they are, the more they pick up. Um, so whether it's Miss Rachel, whether it's their, you know, listening to the radio on the way home and they hear wheels on the bus. So they're going to be taking in and absorbing that information in, um, is that, you know, the best form of communication that they should be exposed to? I feel like that's a whole other like question in in and of itself. I think sometimes the problem becomes if it's too much technology and that's the only way that they're getting exposed to communication. You know, it's different if a child is watching Miss Rachel for like an hour a day or 30 minutes a day versus eight hours a day. Because anytime a child is just watching TV, that's all they're doing. It's just, they're just watching. They're not actively participating in it. So that's kind of where I tell parents to just be careful because again, you want your child to be an active participant in these skills. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, tell us about your speech therapy career and what motivates you in the field. Yeah. So I have worked with children as young as two years old, all the way up to 14 years old. And I primarily worked in the school setting. So I've worked with, you know, in preschool, elementary and middle school. And I really have worked with students that have a range of needs versus, you know, young preschoolers that just need to expand their expressive language or they need help following directions. I've worked with children on the spectrum, bilingual students, speech sound disorders. So I've seen an array and I've worked with students in person and teletherapy. So I really have seen like, you know, the whole picture. And I mean, what motivates me is I always go back to why I got into the field in the first place. And I believe that every child deserves the right to communicate, whether that's verbally, whether that's through a device, sign language, pointing. Um, so that's really what motivates me. No, and that, that's great. And I, you know, you make a big difference for parents, for kids, and it's, you know, it's really inspirational. And Thank you. In your opinion, what are some quick wins that parents can have with their kids to benefit their speech therapy? 
Like, what could I do with them in speech? Or what's some, you know, I mean, that and as well as what are quick wins they could have at home. If there's any kind of lifestyle changes that you could make to benefit a child, you know, their child's development skills. Yeah. So a lot of times I think some, well, I think parents sometimes think that, especially at home, that they need to have like really fancy high tech toys, which I tell parents is not the case at all. Research has actually shown that for their development, it's better to have like the good old school toys, building blocks, the pretend kitchen set, pretend doctor, but you don't even need toys for communication. That's a great part about communication is you could target it at any time. I tell parents you could target it during snack time, during bath time, when you're driving with you know your child in the car. For example, if you notice that your child is really struggling during bath time, create a routine. I would have a visual schedule and then that can target them following directions that can target them, you know, expanding their expressive language skills. Okay. I want bubbles. And then you could have them pick. Do you want the pink bubbles, the green bubbles? So really I like to tell parents just incorporating it into your daily lifestyle um, and into whatever works for you, because the more you incorporate it, into, you know, your just routine daily living, the more likely your child is going to get exposure to it. And this is a simple toy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Toys like that. Um, I know a lot of kids like blocks. I use blocks all the time. Play-Doh. So it doesn't have to be anything like crazy. I haven't done the Play-Doh yet. I'm afraid of, she's in a phase right now where she's teething and where she's teething. And um, yeah, I'm afraid she might try to do the Play-Doh. And that's understandable. Yeah, definitely depends on the age and, you know, what they're going through and if they're going to put it in their mouth. Yeah. And if a parent, you know, like with, with new, with babies, for example, too, or toddlers, you know, when in your opinion, when's a time to be concerned about the speech therapy development? Um, and if a parent was concerned, what would they do? You know, what, what's the best step to take? So I think it comes down to a few factors. Usually, usually I tell parents like a good kind of rule of thumb is one word by the first birthday. And what I mean by that is they should be able to label, you know, simple common objects, cookie, mommy, daddy, juice, whatever, typically by the first birthday. The other things to keep in mind that are important to also um, remember around that time are, are they alert? Are they responding to their name? How are their play skills? Do they have any sensory needs? Because I believe in looking at the whole child Then I would say if you do start to notice, you know, child's not really responding to, you know, his or her name, they're really not playing with the blocks appropriately, you know, certain things like that, then typically you go to your pediatrician Mm -hmm. and then you would explain, you know, your concerns to the pediatrician and then your pediatrician would refer you to a speech therapist. That's kind of typically the process. And it also depends on like, you know, the age and the stage. but yeah, that's kind of like the rule I like to give parents, like one word, at, you know, by that first birthday. But definitely if your child is like two years old and they're not labeling and they're not saying anything, get them referred. Because I always tell parents it is easier on the child and frankly, I think easier on the parents to do it when they're younger because yeah. you then 
um, are not waiting as long to close that developmental gap. And also the older that they get, you know, like a two-year-old versus a five-year-old. Now that five-year-old is in kindergarten and they also have academic goals and academic expectations. So I always tell parents, do as much as you can when they're younger. And, you know, the worst case scenario is you get referred to the speech therapist. Maybe the kid doesn't qualify or maybe the speech therapist sees, you know, the child once a week. And then after six months, you're discharged. But at least you did it when they were younger. No, and that's that's great advice because I know a lot of other moms, you know, with with their baby, you know, with their babies, you know, they're quick to act and sometimes it's appropriate and sometimes it's not. Yeah. And something I'm actually curious about, um, this is kind of personal for me, how do you know, you hear about kids being raised by, you know, uh, being bilingual. Mm-hmm. Um, I have family that's Italian who likes to speak to her only in Italian. <laughs> and, I said, let her, you know, start taking English, understanding English first. And then really go through this, that it's fine. And she actually understands some Italian, um, which, is, you know, like clap your hands, for example, is Bati Kamani. Yeah. Yep. Um, and do you think it's worth it? Like, should a child learn their, for, you know, their primary language first and then like at two or three kind of introduce, you know, English? So if not like a foreign language. Yeah. No, so I, I understand. I think a few things. First of all, I'm Italian, so that's why I was like, yay. Um, but so bilingualism, that it, that factor alone will not cause a language delay. Okay. There are other um like contributing components. So for example, when a child is learning two or three languages at once, they may show signs of preferring one language mm-hmm. over another, that's totally fine. They may go through a little phase of regression in the <laughs> other language, also totally fine and normal. I also tell parents that if you are going to introduce, whether it's one language or two languages, better to do it when they're younger. Okay. The br- yeah, because the brain, again, is still developing and making those connections with those neurons and those synapses. And she's going to be way more receptive to it being that she's younger and children that are young, specifically her age, they learn their receptive language skills first. That's why, like when you said the clap your hands, she understand that that's her receptive language kicking in. She can't do the expressive language of producing that in Italian yet but receptively she understands. So I would say, yeah, do it when she's yeah young. Yeah. <laughs> now she does. It's actually, it's very fascinating to watch. And I've been debating that with family members. Um, and, you know, so in my one in particular, you know, every time she claps when um, he says, Bate Lamani, she, you know, it's like a personal victory for him. <laughs> yeah. They're very smart. They they pick up on things. And sometimes they use their intelligence for evil. Yeah. But um that's a, that's another story that all moms can relate to. But um so Gabrielle, where can people learn more about you and get Sophie's story? Yes. So my Instagram is at speech solutions underscore. And that also has the link to the book, but my book can be found on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, 
It's in hardcover, ebook, and Kindle. But I would say I'm most active on Instagram. And then those are the websites that you can purchase the book from. That's awesome. So, and I just want to thank you for your time today, sharing your story, your insight with us. Uh, We appreciate you. Wish you the best. Hope you'll join us for a future episode. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm always happy to talk about speech therapy and children. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And for our listeners, thank you for tuning in today. Hope you'll join us for next week's episode. Be sure to follow our official Instagram account, Moms on the Air, where we will reveal our next guest. And if you enjoyed today's episode, uh, subscribe wherever you're listening. Give us a five-star rating. And until next time, I'm Katie. This is Maddie. And we're the Moms on the Air podcast. (laughs) 